to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. A couple of weeks ago, we began a brand new sermon series called Experiencing Financial Freedom. Experiencing Financial Freedom. And the subtitle is How to Manage Your Finances God's Way. Perhaps you've seen this, perhaps you've experienced this either in family or maybe at your workplace because you kind of know where people are at. Have you ever noticed that it is possible for two totally different families to make the exact same amount of money and one of them is just living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, struggling, and if you see it over time, they may end their life continuing to struggle throughout retirement, whereas you may have another family that makes the exact same amount of money but they're doing pretty good. You know, they don't seem to have all the stress. They don't have to, all that kind of stuff. And then when they get to retirement age, they're very comfortable. They have plenty to meet their needs. Why is that? Now, there's a number of reasons for that. And one of them can be major crises and catastrophes or other things like that. But for the most part, the reason for that is that it comes down to how a person or how a family handles their finances, the principles that they use, what they do and what they don't do. But also there's another very important factor, and that is God's presence and power and God's working in and through your finances and in and through your life to possibly meet your needs. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series, and we're going to have a couple more Sundays, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I've asked Vita... Um, she's a member of our church. She's also our missions team leader to share a testimony. When I talked about how I was going to be talking about financial freedom and how God works in finances, she said, I've got a story to tell. We talked about it and God has worked powerfully in and through her finances over the years. And I said, can you just share about that for a couple of minutes as part of the sermon today? So Vita's going to come and share that right now for a couple of minutes. Good morning, everyone. My name is Vita Burnett Wilson. And yes, I am here to share my financial testimony, my financial stewardship, and my financial freedom. It's all God. Based on his provision, I must worship him by giving back to him what he has blessed me with. Yes, at one point, I was living from paycheck to paycheck. But then something happened in my life. But before I go into that, I want to read because this was my claim from God. So in Malachi 3 verse 10, if you want to turn to it, that's okay. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. So God wants us to put him to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. I put my name in there. Open the window of heaven for Vida and pour down for Vida a blessing until there is no more need. So I claimed that promise. 
So a situation happened in my life where I was 47 years old and was left with my two children, 12 and 13, and my next paycheck. But God, I claimed him and my profession, which I had. So I did not fumble. I did not doubt. I did not worry. I just said, God have this. So I know when I got my first paycheck, I had to tithe. I tithed on it. I practiced the principle of saving and giving and spending based on the percentages. I was still living from paycheck to paycheck. But God, he never failed me and I never failed him. I was faithful. You see, in his promises, there are conditional promise that you have to do and that God has to do. So when you claim that and live it out, God is there. So I'll tell you some major things that God did for me. Many small ones as well. But after two years of renting, I was able to purchase my first home. But God was able to make that happen. I lived out now from a different school district and my kids were, one of them was in middle school and one was in high school. So it means I changed church and I have to change school. I decided that the church they were going to had a school. We were going to had a school. So I signed them up in the school. I didn't know how I was going to pay it. But God, I claimed him. I'm going to live for him and he's going to make my provision possible. And so, yes, God provided that tuition for a private school. A major event also happened. And I just want to tell you this, that I was practical and I was frugal. I had to do without cable, but the kids were like zinging in my ears, but they lived without it. I did without the things that we did not need. So that's important. My credit card never go beyond $600, so I'm able to pay it off. So I stayed within boundaries of which can make you happy. Then you are in pain for owing what does not, what you cannot pay for. So when the measure happens is that they went off to college. Yes, I sent them to college. And when they graduated, I owed $45,000. But God, it's fully paid for. Ten years prior to my retirement, I said, well, I must plan for retirement. So God, how am I going to do this? I must be debt-free for retirement. So I signed up with the Dave Ramsey Peace University class. Pastor has mentioned that before in one of his sermons on, on financial freedom. So went there with the intention of paying down my mortgage. But I learned that in two years, a car that I had just bought, I was able to pay off that car in two years. But God... You see, when you claim him, he is in the step of the, every step you take is God. 
you give to everyone, you give to everything. As for missions, that came in my life when I just donated, gave to missions, because that was part. We should go, praise, give. And so I partake of that. Everything God was involved in, I was a part of it. So I paid off my school loan, I mean the college loans. And so now I'm paying down my mortgage. And by the time I was ready to retire, I was debt free. And that is financial freedom. So now I'm retired. I give back to God for my social security as he blesses me. But five years ago, I married Charles Wilson. And he has been caring for me. Thank God for all his wisdom, all his direction. And I just pray that any one of you here can claim Malachi 3 verse 10 and live it out for God. The blessings just come. It will pour down from heaven. It's living in the first person, not in the third person. Thank you. Thank you, Vida. Thank you, Vida. So today, um, Vida basically illustrated through her testimony the principles that I want to share for you. I want to share with you, not for you. But today we're going to be taking a look at these God's principles for handling finances. Because how we handle our money affects so much. This may not sound like a super spiritual message. I mentioned this when I started the series two weeks ago. But I want to tell you something. Anything that has the power to control your life and your emotions and your relationships to the degree that finances do is a tremendously spiritual thing. And that's why you see so much about finances and material things in the Bible and in the teachings of Jesus because he knows it makes such a big difference. All right. Uh, I started off in the first week talking about how to get into financial bondage. The purpose was not that we wanted to, but how can we stay out of it by avoiding that? The second week, last week, we talked about how to get out of financial bondage. And it really comes down to putting God's first, following his wisdom and doing what is right and good. And so today we're going to be taking a look at the um, practical aspect of that. The series is called Experiencing Financial Freedom, but today the message is also called Experiencing Financial Freedom. And I just want to encourage you today to take note, whether you write it down or not, but to take note and to apply these principles. This is not a get-rich-quick uh, scheme. It is not something that's going to be a miracle and your finances are going to be better tomorrow. But as you apply these principles, if you're not already, it's going to help lead you to a place of more financial stability, make you more effective for God's kingdom and prepare you for the future. So I encourage you to apply them yourselves. I encourage them if you have children in your life and young people in your life, whether they're your children or grandchildren, that to the degree you have influence in their life, that you teach them to them. And I was talking to a couple of the young men before the service, and I'll say to every single one of you young people in this room, okay, and when I say young people, I don't care what age you are, but you're a young person, but especially our teenagers, young 20s or whatever, um, if you're just getting started, you don't have these problems and stuff, start doing this now. 
If you are already in a situation and you've already kind of got some difficulties, even though you're only in the late teens, early 20s, middle 20s, use these principles to get those things settled and taken care of and follow these principles all your life. And it'll make a tremendous, tremendous difference. Our key passage, and I'm going to be mentioning several, but this is our key passage, is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of you could quote it. It's the best way to live your life, to deal with everything, not just your finances. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It applies to every area of life. God says if we will trust in him and not just live life, Apart from him doing what we think is right, doing what we want to do, doing what feels good, then he will take care of us, he will guide us, and he will lead us, and he will help us. Doesn't mean there won't be any problems, doesn't mean that we won't go through difficult times, but it does mean that God will be with us and he will take us through, and we will find, as many of you have, because so many of you have great testimonies, that when you follow God's principles for life, not just for finances, but relationships and everything else. He helps you. He helps you through the difficulties. He's there for you. So it says, trust in the Lord. That word trust. That means we have confidence in him, but it's a confidence that leads to obedience. It's a confidence that says, God, you are God. And I don't always understand you. In fact, there may be a lot of times I don't understand you but I'm going to put my trust in you. So if there's something you say and there's something that I'm thinking or I'm feeling and they don't match up, I'm going to do what you say. That's what that means. And that's the promise he gives to us. I'm going to give to you, I think it's seven things and we're going to go through them very quickly. Each one of them is just one word, but that word is going to be followed by an explanatory principle and they are things that can help us with our finances. So let's just jump right in. Number one is plan. Plan. Make a budget. You won't find the word budget in the Bible, but you'll find the principle there because God is all about planning. We can't plan for everything because there's so many unexpected things in life, but we can plan for the unexpected in some ways. But in the area of finances, we need to plan. Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. How many people of you, how many of you know how many sheep you have in your flock? (laughs) I know, I don't have any sheep in a flock. How many goats are in your herd? I don't have any goats either. But the principles are the same. It basically says, know where you stand financially. This was their finances back then. All their finances were in their their animals or their fields. They didn't have accounts of money and that kind of stuff. They may have had a little bit of money laying around. Most people didn't. But basically, the proverb writer is saying, listen, know your financial situation. Be aware of it. Make some plans. Why? Because riches do not last forever. So do you know how much you make? 
And I don't mean just how much per hour and how much take-home pay you've got, but but do you really know where you are with what you've got coming in, what might be coming in down the future and stuff? And do you know how much you spend? I mean, do, can, can you actually say, well, I spend this much on housing and this much on that? Do, you know, Or do you just kind of take what you have when you get the paycheck and, and, and there's the bills on the desk and i got to pay this one first or else we're in trouble and blah, 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 blah. And I really want to go out and do that. And let's go out to eat and let's do this and just kind of live life Paycheck to paycheck, doing what you have to do because you got to pay those bills at some point or you're in trouble. You might be homeless or whatever. And then just doing what you feel like with the rest. You will never make any real progress for financial security that way. You need to plan. You need to make a budget. What is a budget? It's just a disciplined spending plan. You, you take the amount, you get paid. And if you're in a household where there's more than one, you put it together. And you take the amount of money that you need to pay. Okay, the things you have to pay, the things that you want to do with your finances, and you compare the two. Okay? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands, but if I were to ask how many of you regularly compare your income with your expense to make sure they're balanced out and stuff, and how many of you don't, we might be surprised how many people don't. They just kind of live life and hope it all turns out all right. And as you compare those things and try to balance them out, if it doesn't work out, if your expenses are more than your income, as I mentioned last week, you've got to either increase your income or decrease your expenses or both. Because you cannot keep living forever spending more money than you have and then you can bring in. You need to plan. You know, the problem, though, is not just the amount of money, but what our spending habits are. As I mentioned to begin this sermon, there are people that can make $30,000 or less, many people do, a year and live debt-free without the stress that comes from financial burden. But yet people who make a lot more than that and they're constantly stressed, they're in debt, they're going bankrupt. The real key is to spend less than you earn. And that's what budgeting is all about. Spend less. No, don't just don't just say I'm only going to spend what I earn. You need to spend less than you earn, and you'll find out why in the next couple of points. And to do that, you've got to learn to prioritize some things. The order of the points I'm going to give you today is a priority system, according to God's word, that can help you with this. But you know, the other thing that we have to wrestle with is that we're so used to getting what we want in society, in our society today. Because even if we can't afford it, we can buy it on credit. But we have to learn how to distinguish between those things that we absolutely have to have from those that we should have, but maybe they're not absolutely necessary, and those things that we would like to have. Today, we are told by advertising, get what you want to have, whether you need it or not. And there's that pressure to get the biggest and the best and the and more. But we need to use some discipline. So we need to plan. We need to make a budget. In Proverbs 21, 5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. That hasty idea is, I want to get rich quick, and I want to spend what I got, and I'm going to do what I want to do, making very quick decisions. The second thing is this, work. Support yourself and your family. 
I never would have believed, I, I'm, I'm sure there aren't very many people in this room that need to hear this, perhaps, I don't know, or those of you that are online, but I never believed that, I, I never would have believed 20 years ago that we get to a place in our society where it's a major message to tell people, you know, you really ought to go out there and work. You know, you really ought to use the abilities, physical, mental, whatever you have, to earn a living. Instead of living off your parents, or living off the government, or living off of this, or living off the other. And let me be very, very quick, I am so glad for the programs that there are. Whether they're governmental programs, uh, religious programs, whatever programs there are out there that help people in need. They're, they're important, they're needed, they're significant. And there's nothing shameful about taking advantage of a program to help people in need when you are in need. And that's true for however long you're in need. But that being said, to the degree that we are able, to the degree that we have the strength, to the degree that we have the ability, we need to be willing to work and to provide for ourselves and to provide for our families. God's word says that's the way he planned it. Proverbs 10.4 says a slack hand, a lazy hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, you know, we see these verses that talk about rich, 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 and we think rich, oh, millionaire, whatever. In their culture, you were rich if you had more than one change of clothes. And if you had shelter, didn't matter what kind of shelter, but you had some kind of shelter and you had enough food for today. And if you had enough food for today and tomorrow, you were rich. We've learned to define rich as, man, I got enough to make me through, get me through the rest of my life and I don't have to stress about anything. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse six and then jumping to verse 10, Paul says, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. For even when we were with you, we would give this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Again, he's not talking about people in need. People are doing their best to try to get a good job. People are working on a minimum wage. And it's just, you know, and they're really trying to, it's talking about people who just don't want to lift a finger. I'm going to live off of other people. I'm going to live off of our program. I'm going to, you know, we need to work. We need to provide for ourselves and our families. The third thing is this, and this is really key to Vita's testimony, and it's key to us as believers. If we are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, give, put God first. Put God first. Have you ever been putting on a button-up shirt and you started buttoning it and everything just didn't seem right? Maybe you kind of felt like like this. And you looked in the mirror and here you got the first button wrong. You know, and so then you button and you know, if you get here's deep wisdom. If you get the first button wrong, every other button after that is going to be wrong too. And this is true about this. We've got to put God first. And if we don't put God first, it's going to throw everything else off. Now, I understand there are people that make tons of money. They seem to have everything, no problem. And they don't believe in God and all that kind of stuff. And I understand that. But I'm just saying as followers of Jesus Christ, if we don't put God first in every area of life, and especially in our finances, it can lead to additional financial problems. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, we started in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, but part of God's wisdom down the road there, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce. First fruits means the first fruits. 
You know, he was talking about when you harvest your grain, when you, you know, you, you got the increase. The first part of it goes to God. We put God first. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. There's, there's so much teaching in God's word. And we'll talk more about this down the road. Not next week because we've got special guests, but probably the week following. All right. So much principle in God's word that whatever we have, we have it, but God's the one that gave it to us. He's the one that ultimately owns it. And he's given it to us to use in this life to provide for our needs, but also to do his work. And that we will be held responsible for what we do with what he gives us. Again, not just finances, but our time and energy and efforts. It's called stewardship. God has entrusted us. You might say, yeah, but I'm the one that worked hard for the money. Yeah, but who gave you the strength? Who gave you the life? Who helped you to get to where you are? Anyway. I'm not going to read it today. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. Vita quoted part of that. But this is in the Old Testament, and God is speaking to his people, and they were going through a really tough time. They are having a lot of problems, and specifically financial problems, along with other things. And God says, listen, here's what your problem is. You are robbing me. And that's the word God uses. I'm not using I mean, I'm using it because that's what... He said, you're robbing me. He said, how are we robbing you? He says, you're not following what I told you to do about your finances. And that's why you're struggling, and that's why you're in so much need, and you're facing so much difficulty. He says, listen, if you will do what I ask you to do, be to ready. He says, test me in this. It's the only place that I'm aware of, if there's another one you can point it out to me, where God says, test me. See if I'll come through. Put me first. And see if I won't help you with the rest. Now, please understand that you put God first. I don't care how much you give him. If you waste the rest and mismanage the rest, you're still going to have problems. You still need to follow the other principles we're talking about today of being a good steward. But God says, put me first and I'll take care of you. Again, it's not a promise that you will never have problems, that you'll never face difficulty. You may never, it's not a promise that you won't ever have a kind of a tight time. But he says, I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. I'll help you. Some people say, well, you know, I really would like to do more for God. I really would like to tithe. I really would like to give generously, but I can't afford to. Can I tell you, you really can't afford not to. If you want God's help with your finances, you need to do it his way. I mean, it's sort of like people come to God and say, God, I'm in so much trouble. I need your help. I want your help. I know that you've given me everything I've got and you're the source of all that I have. And so, God, please do a miracle, do something. But I just want to let you know that when you do, I'm still going to do things my way. It sounds so silly to say it that way. But we do that in so many areas of our life, our finances, our relationships, a lot of things. What does God expect from his people today? We're going to talk about that in two weeks. You hear people talking about tithing, an Old Testament principle where God said, give 10% of your income. You hear teachings in the New Testament about generosity. You say, well, is tithing still true for the church today? And how does that all work out? And we're going to look at that really closely in a couple of weeks. All right? So, put God first. Number four, pay. Pay your bills on time. Pay 
your bills. Romans 13.7 says, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is, revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We need to pay our bills. And to do that, if we're struggling to do that, I mean, not just one time we had this unexpected thing, whatever. If we're struggling to do that constantly, we probably need to make some changes. We need to make some changes perhaps to our lifestyle. We may need to make some changes in where we live, in the house we live. We may need to make some changes to what we drive, to whatever it is that's affecting our financial situation. You know, Evita in her testimony mentioned that there were things that when she started applying to God's started applying God's, that she gave up. She gave up cable. She gave up some other things. And I can testify to the same thing. We went through a really tough time shortly after we moved, a couple years after we moved here. The economy is a mess. Most of you know the story. If you don't, we'll tell it some other time. But we made some decisions. We gave up our, We gave up cable. We haven't had it since. You know, we've made some other choices and decisions along the way. But we need to be able to pay our bills. And this may sound a little harsh, but if you can't pay your bills, then maybe you shouldn't have some of them. Now, you need shelter. You need food. You need transportation. But many times we may not need it at the level we want it. Again, you may need to make some downward downshifting, do some downshifting or something. Pay, pay your bills on time. Learn the difference between your needs and your wants. And, and here's a real key. Don't take on new responsibilities, especially if it pushes you to the limit. Now, please, I, I, I meant to say this at the beginning before I got started. Every single one of us have not done any of these or all of these perfectly, including myself. So this is not a condemnation. This is not a judgment thing. We have all not lived by at least some of these principles. Okay? And none of us probably live by them perfectly now. So... Please understand, I'm not saying this like I've got everything under control because I don't, you know, we're doing a whole lot better than we used to do. I can tell you that. And I've found these principles to be true for God's promises and his working in our finances. But that being said, don't take on new responsibilities, especially if it pushes you to the limit, because we all know what it's like and we have done it ourselves. So there's that one thing, that thing that we want to buy and everything. It's like, well, can we afford it? Well, if we really squeeze here and we really squeeze there and we get a little extra there and we can just barely make it. Whenever we make a decision like that, we're just setting ourselves up for a great potential of failure and problems in our finances. Don't take on that extra payment. Don't take on that extra thing until you can do it and you know you've got yourself some margin. So pay, pay your bills on time. Number five, pay off. Get out of debt, A-S-A-P. Y'all know what A-S-A-P stands? As soon as possible. If you're in debt, get out of debt as soon as you can. Don't just make the minimum payments. Proverbs 22.7 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We talked about that a little bit. I think it was last week or the week before that when you owe and the more you owe, the more you're in bondage and you're a slave to those who you owe. Romans 13.8 says, owe no one anything except to love each other. Again, in Vita's testimony, she talked about that moment when she finally was debt free. 
work toward that moment to be debt free. Now, you can't just jump into life and just be totally debt free from the very beginning, probably, unless you have a great job or you've inherited some money or something, because just buying a house or for most people buying a car. But our goal should be as debt free as possible and to work toward being debt free and to not use credit to buy everything. Credit is one of the biggest financial problems that we have in our world today and in people's lives. Let me ask you a question. If you had no debt right now, how much easier would life be? Ah, say, well, that's impossible. If you had no debt except for your mortgage, if you have one in your house payment, how much easier would life be? A lot. That's a whole lot more attainable. Oh, how can you? No, you got to have a car. You got to have. No, no, no. You can do it. You just have to decide you want to. You have to decide you want to enough that you're willing to put off and put aside and do without certain things. Can I tell you, I've not shared this publicly before, but we paid off all of our debt except for our mortgage four or five years ago. Actually, we had it paid off before then, but then my wife's car drowned in a rainstorm and we had to buy another car, so we had debt for a little while. But we paid off all of our debt except for our mortgage about 10 years ago. Then we had to take on a little bit more to get the other car. And we got a five-year loan on it, and we paid it off in less than two. That's not glory to us. It's just we were driven. We don't want to be in debt. And last fall, we paid off our mortgage. And I want to tell you something. It's not glory to us, Okay. It is not glory to us. But can I tell you how freeing that is? Now, can I tell you, in our situation, that was significantly important because we didn't start early enough to prepare for retirement. So it's not like we're living the high life now. We're taking all that extra money and we're putting it where we're putting it for retirement so that we'll be okay when we go to retire when that happens. Okay? Pay off. Get out of debt as soon as possible. Here's some simple suggestions. Pay off your credit cards and don't use them anymore to go beyond just the convenience. I'm paying for the credit card. I'm paying it off this month. Make it your goal to carry no balance on your credit cards. Pay off your credit cards and stop using them to buy things that you can't pay off right away to the best you can. Don't buy things on credit. You need new furniture? Wait until you can save up for it. Sometimes we can't save up for it because we owe so much money. You see, we get into this cycle. Okay? Save up for it. You know, we fell into that trap when we were younger. We made a move one time and we had to buy a bed. And so we went to this warehouse where they had, you know, and we got a really good deal, but we had no money, so we had to buy this bed on credit. And while we were at it, since they had this really cool TV... That was a really good deal. Well, let's just stick that on it too. The only, the only debt we had, and so, because we were renting an apartment at the time, we were young youth pastors, and, and we were diligently paid that off. But you know, we got into the habit of kind of having some little bit of debt. We didn't go whole hog, but we had some little bit of debt, and so when we paid something off, and we still tried to pay off, it's like, well, what can we buy now? 
because we don't have any debt. I remember one of the things we were so excited about, our girls were toddlers, and this was way back. I mean, some of you young people don't even understand this because you do all this with, we do this with our phones now. But this is when video cameras were first coming out, okay? And it's like, we gotta get a video camera so we can, we can, we can, you know, we can take videos of our daughters as they're growing up and everything. And so we, we had just paid off something, and it's like, okay, we paid something off, now we can borrow some more money. And so we bought a video camera on credit. And then our next goal was we're going to pay that off as quick as we can. And we did. And then when that was done, it's like, you know what? This really isn't that smart. If we really want something, let's just save up for it, pay cash for it. We spend less. We don't pay the interest. We don't do that. And so from that point on, we just made a determination to the best we were able to do so. We were not going to buy anything on credit unless we absolutely had to. Um, I mean, it's something we have to have today. There's no doing without it. It is a life and death situation. Otherwise, we're going to save up for it. And to the best that you can, do that with your car too. There are people, and I have no idea what your habits are, so I'm not looking at you pointing my finger at you because I know there are some people that they'll go out and buy whatever car they want. They Can I make the payment? Well, if I scrape, 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 I can do this. And as soon as that car is paid off, now it's time to go get another one. And they live with a constant car payment. Pay your car off. Keep driving it. You know you're going to need another one down. Start saving up for it. I drive a 2001 Toyota Camry. I take good care of it. It's doing great. Okay? Pay off. I love this quote by Dave Ramsey. Most people use credit to spend money they don't really have to buy things they don't really need to impress people who don't really care. There's another side. We also spend it to feed our flesh what we want. Pay off your car. Don't trade it in. Begin to save for your next car. Pay extra on the principle of your home loan. If you have a mortgage, you need to sit down. I, I can't, I, I'll sit down and talk to you about it. Talk to somebody who knows. You know, especially toward the beginning of that, if you pay extra on the principle, okay, you pay more than what that monthly payment it is, it's going to cut way back not only how much you pay overall, but how long you're going to have to pay it. That's just the way interest works. If you don't understand that, take the time to learn because it makes a big difference. Pay extra on the principle of your home loan. And then here's a real practical one. Learn to say no to salesmen and to yourself. So let's practice. Say no. No wonder most of you have problems. Lisa did good, but Lisa's loud with everything. <laughs> Try it again. Say no. Much better, much better. When you go to buy that car and that salesman's trying to push you beyond where you'd already planned and know that you can go, you've got to learn to say no, but it's even harder and you've got to do it a lot more often to say no to yourself. You've got to say no to yourself. Let's go on. Number six, save. Save for the future. This is why I say you should get yourself as much and quickly as you can to the point where you're spending less than you make because you need to save. Because if you don't save anything, even if you're paying all your bills, you're just going paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, the first catastrophe is going to throw you in a tailspin to some degree or another. And then it can just build from there. You need to learn to save. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. What it's saying is somebody who's wine, I mean, it's wise. Somebody who's wise, it said wine in there. Forget the wine part. That can get you in trouble too. Somebody who's wise handles their finances in such a way that they can store some things up. 
But a foolish person, they devour everything they've got. They spend everything they've got. It's just, you know, they get it, it's gone. Proverbs 12, uh, 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. What do we need to save for the future for? First one I've mentioned before for emergencies. You're going to have emergencies. You're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. And you can't go through the good times saying, oh, they're always going to be this way. It's a great story in Genesis 41 where God gives Pharaoh a dream. He doesn't understand it. And Joseph ends up interpreting it, translating it for him. And basically the essence of that dream was that there's going to be seven phenomenally good years and then seven absolutely terrible years. And Pharaoh says, well, what do we should we do about it? And Joseph says, listen, during the good years, save up, save up, save up, save up, save up. And then during the bad years, you'll be okay. And that's exactly what happened. And we need to apply that principle to our lives. We save, we save, we save for emergencies. And then when we have that emergency, we pay for it out of the, out of the, out of the emergency fund instead of having to put it on credit. And then we got another thing we got to pay off. We save for emergencies. Oh. Let me read this to you. Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. It says if you're smart, you're going to see that danger could be coming your way and you're going to do whatever you can to prepare for it. We save uh, for emergencies, we save for future needs. I already talked about it. You save up for what you want instead of just buying it on credit. I just yesterday sat down at my desk and wrote a check for over $2,000 because it was time to pay our property insurance. But you know what? It wasn't a problem for me to write that check because I paid it last October. And ever since, I've been saving a little bit out of every single paycheck and designating it and budgeting. That's for property insurance. I'm not going to touch it for anything else. I'm not going to touch it for anything else. I'm not going to... And it's been sitting and sitting and sitting. So when I sat down and wrote that check yesterday... It was already there. So as we save, we save for things we know are going to come up. There are certain things you know are going to come up. Property insurance, property taxes. Um, I mean, you know your budget. You know what's going on in your life. You know those things that you don't have to pay every day, every week, or even every month. But they're going to come up. So you save for them. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. That means lazy person. Consider her ways and be wise. Without any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. In other words, she, the ants are planning ahead. They store things up. And so I made up this statement to go with that. If you don't save money for the future, you're dumber than an ant. Boy, I was quiet. <laughs> don't take it personally. Been there, done that. All right? And then save up for future needs uh, uh, and emergencies, but save up for retirement. I tell you what, there are a lot of people in this room, I guarantee you, some of our older people. We don't have any old people in our church. It's one of the drawing cards. We have older people, but not old people. I'm not telling you to go ask them because that is not the right thing to do. But there are probably plenty of older people in this church that could give you testimony of how they did save up for retirement and now they're doing okay. And other people that give you testimony says, you know what, we're, we're barely making it because we didn't do what we should have done years ago. And this is something I emphasize to young people. And young people, I hope you've been paying attention because if you live your life this way, again, I can't guarantee you won't have any major financial because crises come. But this is something I emphasize to every young person I get the opportunity to talk to about this kind of thing. You start with your first job saving for retirement. Even if it's only putting aside $1 per paycheck because you want to get into the habit 
But do more than that if you can. If your company's got a thing where they'll match it, that's even better. I've never been in a situation where I had a place I, I ministered or, or worked that they matched it or anything, okay? That's even better. And again, I can't take the time to explain it and all that kind of stuff, but the way interest works and depending on how you choose to invest it, and that's your business, whether you do it in savings accounts or bonds or uh, the stock market or whatever, mutual funds, I can steer you to lots of different people that can give you some good advice. But if you do it when you're young, you can start off just saving a little bit. And over that whole period of time, it's going to grow phenomenally. And if you start off young with a little bit and you increase it a little bit every time you get a raise and you work on it, you can retire with absolutely no financial difficulties at all. You talk about being a millionaire. Any everyday ordinary person can be a millionaire by the time they retire if they start off when they're in their late teens or early 20s doing what they can to put away for it. But I would say if I took a poll, and I won't, a great majority of us in our room, in this room today, probably didn't do that. And so now we've had to play catch up. I'm glad that I came to that realization about 20, 25 years ago. So I'm playing catch up, but we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. A good plan, as I mentioned the other day, is give 10%, save 10%, and live on 80%. And you can do that. The last one, real quick. Enjoy. Have some fun. We get into trouble because we make this number one. It should be the last one. I love what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 to 19, 17 to 19. As for the rich in this present age, remember my definition of rich? We're all rich. Okay? Compared uh, in what the way the Bible's taught, we are all, if people in Bible days could see us, it's like, oh my goodness, everybody in the church is phenomenally wealthy. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. See, put God first who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to use our finances to enjoy life. But many people stop right there and say, well, that's the main goal. But it's not. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. He says, rich people, don't get haughty because you got more than others. God's given it to you. You're allowed to enjoy that, but the primary purpose is so you can do his work in this world. You can be generous. You can do good deeds. You can affect other people's lives. And the good thing is that's how you store up treasure in heaven. Not just through finances, but through our efforts and using our gifts and abilities the way God's called us to. But that's how you prepare for the ultimate retirement. You know, you can do everything perfect to have a great retirement here on earth and have a lousy one for eternity. Whole nother issue. Whole nother sermon. But we're allowed to have some fun. You know, God is our father. Fathers like their children. Healthy fathers like their children to enjoy what they give them. But only if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, do you want to bless your kids with ice cream and a bigger allowance and all that kind of stuff if they're constantly disobedient and doing things wrong and they don't listen to you and you're trying to help them out and they go the opposite direction? God is a good heavenly father. As I said, this is last place on purpose, but a lot of times we want to put it in the first place. What happens when you put enjoyment and what I feel like in the first place in our finances? Well, Proverbs talks about that too. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen: Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. 
doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. I and mean, we already read the scripture. What does that mean? It means if that's your main goal, if your main goal is to go through life and do what you want to do and enjoy yourself and all that kind of stuff, you're going to constantly have problems. Again, unless you're independently wealthy, you inherited so much of money or, or whatever. Okay. So we put this all together. The principles of God's word. Plan, work, give, pay, pay off, save, and enjoy. But as we wrap this up, I just want to say that many times our financial problems have a deeper root, and that is that we're searching for happiness. And we think it can be found in what we can buy or the status it brings and all that kind of stuff, and it won't do it. It won't do it. We can't find happiness in money and things. It's called discontentment. The writer of Hebrews put it this way in 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Can I tell you, if you're not content with what you have now, you probably won't be content with more. You may be happier for a little while, but eventually that'll fade away. We need to learn to be content where we're at. The last verse, and this is from the Good News Translation. I love the way um, this translation puts this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires because God will satisfy them fully. Now, that's not talking about finances. It's just saying if we really put God first in every area of life, including our finances, God will do such a great work in our lives and will help us with everything that we will find contentment. We will find satisfaction. And we can have that even in the midst of difficulties. To wrap this up today, this is, again, not one of those sermons that you preach and say, okay, now we're going to pray for a commitment and and then everything's going to change um, tomorrow. Because of some miraculous touch you got from God in this place, this is stuff that you just need to take out and start living. Okay? And, and it means you need to take some baby steps. You know, as you looked at this, maybe you just need to kind of tweak what you're doing a little bit. Maybe you need to do a little bit more than tweaking. Maybe, like, I need to do a whole overhaul on our finances. You need to sit down and talk with the other people in your life that affect your finances, whether that's a spouse or family members or whatever, to make some decisions. And you're the only one that can do that. Nobody's going to force you to do that. All I can tell you is that I have found in my life that to the degree I use God's principles, I found God's blessing and God's taking care of us and he continues to do so. And to the degree, some of which I share with you already today, and there's a lot more I could share, it caused problems. It caused problems. And there are many other people in this room that could give you the same testimony. And I just encourage you, test God on it. Put his principles into practice. The deeper you've gotten yourself into a problem, the longer it may take to get out, but you can do it. And if you want more resources and and input on how to go about doing that, the practical steps, talk to me. I've I've recommended last week, Vita mentioned Dave Ramsey online, his book, The Total Money Makeover, a Christian guy. That's all he does with his life is help people get out of debt and get to a place of solid financial security. But that being said, let's stand together. And I want us, I'm going to change up a little bit the way we're going to do it today. We've had such a wonderful service, such a wonderful sense of God's presence and worship. Some practical teaching and from God's word. But you may be here today and you're facing some kind of difficulty, totally unrelated from finances. Good to do with finances. Maybe a physical thing. Maybe a need for healing, a relationship thing or whatever. And you say, I really need God's touch today. Would you just raise your hand? Nothing to be embarrassed about that because we all need God's touch every day. But today you especially need God's 
us. All right. I want to encourage you to look around you and see who has their hands raised. And if you're close to somebody that has their hands raised, would you just join with them and just begin to pray for them? If you're around people, everybody's got their hands raised, praise for each other. Okay? All right. Be sensitive to how you do that. Some people like touch, some people don't. Let's just pray for one another. Father God, we just come to you right now, Lord God. And Lord, you see the hands that are raised. There may be people that are watching online. They may not have their hands raised because they say nobody can see me anyway. But you know the needs that they have. And Lord, we just pray for the people that are around us today. God, it'd be so easy to just want to pray for ourselves because of the deep needs we have. But Lord, for the moment anyway, we just put those aside. We know you care. We put our needs aside and we pray for the people next to us. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would reach down and touch each and every person that has a need. God, bring healing to bodies. God, bring healing to relationships. God, bring jobs or different jobs to those who need them. Father, help our students with school and the relationship issues they may have. The relationship issues we all have. Help those who are struggling at work because they're having a hard time doing their job or they're having a hard time with the people they have to work with. God, I pray that you provide for those people that are in need. Whether they've tried to do these principles or not up to this point, Lord God, see them in their need and Lord, provide them a way out. We pray for comfort and strength for those who are mourning, those who are going through difficulty, Lord God. And Father, we pray especially... For those areas of our life where we have a need or something's not right and we're supposed to do something about it, but we haven't done it yet because we don't want to or because it's hard. God, give us the strength. (laughs) Give that other person the strength they need to do what they know they need to do. And God, I pray specifically, Lord God, that you would help us all with our finances. I thank you that you have given us all things to enjoy. Lord, you want us to enjoy life. And we thank you for the many enjoyments that come our way and and the joy and the peace that we can experience even when things are really difficult as we trust in you. God, speak to us about what we can do, what we need to do about our financial situation so we can get in a better standing, Lord God, and make a bigger difference for your kingdom and be at peace. God, thank you. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the love that we have for each other. May it continue to grow and flourish, Lord God. And and God, I pray that you would help us to reach more people for Jesus. To point them to Jesus, Lord God. As we sang at the beginning of the worship, it's all about Jesus. Help us to point people to Jesus. As we leave this place in a couple of moments, Lord, use us in our world. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.